where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. And I'm John. Today we're talking about the 24th episode of season four. It aired on the 1st of May 1986, directed by James Burroughs and written by David Angel. This episode is called Strange Bedfellows, part one. Well, we're in the end game now. Part one, the season finale arc. That's it. It's uh, part one of a trilogy. The first Cheers trilogy. I tell you what, James, I did enjoy this episode. Before we get into the, the nitty gritty, I thought it was a good episode. It was indeed, yes. Episode about politics. Because the phrase strange bedfellows is referring to that old mantra, politics makes strange bedfellows. And it refers to compromises and partnerships people have to make in politics and political circles. And I think it's something that Cliff says later in this episode as well. Yes, he does indeed. Before we get started though, James, and before we get into the, the main part of the episode, there's a lovely cold open that opens this episode. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about how Woody is posy champion of arm wrestling. He's arm wrestling again, but this time with a new character called Mike. He's losing again for the champion of Posey County. He's not doing too well. Off the back of a couple of episodes, Jack bet a beer that he could beat Woody in an arm wrestle. And I have a feel like word hit the street and now everyone's just betting them and everyone's getting free pints. Because by the sounds of it, Woody keeps losing. It's a bad business model. Especially to Mike, who, who seems to... <laughs> Mike seems to have like cleaned up pretty well. He's got a few beers off this plan, this ruse. From how Woody talks about his hometown, it was pretty small. So, you know, maybe there wasn't many people. It could just be him and a goat. <laughs> I suspect Norm would be quite good at arm wrestling because he was a wrestler and he's, he's a hefty boy. <laughs> Tell you who is good, Carla. And she decides that she's going to teach Woody a new type of arm wrestling that will help him win called an Italian arm wrestle. The way it works is that Woody has to pull his arm towards him, not laterally, but face on, while Carla tries to pull it away from him. And you can see where this is going. It's a trap. It is. Stop hitting yourself, Woody. Yeah, basically just restrains him, lets go. He hits himself in the head and he's overjoyed because he's beat Carla at an Italian arm wrestle. And somehow Carla looks like the fool because although she pulled the prank, Woody, as you say, is ecstatic. He won the war. Yeah, and I think that's how they have looked at pranks in the past in Cheers, where if the prank victim responds in a jovial way, then the pranker themselves don't get that sense of victory. You know, it's happened with mm. Frasier, with Diane, where they don't give them the satisfaction of knowing they're successful in pranking someone. Should we move into the main part of the episode, James? Yes. We start with quite a sort of downbeat Frasier, who's feeling a bit low on life, but it's because it's the anniversary of Diane leaving him at the altar. It's been a year already, John. A whole year, yeah. I thought it was quite a nice kind of downbeat one. He says if he uh, suppressed his anger, it would be detrimental to his mental well-being, I think. So, yeah, once a year, and so far only once, he lets himself loose. It's like a total U-turn from last episode, Diane Day, to the opposite. That's quite a nice little premise. I don't think it happens too much in this episode. We don't see too much venom spewing through the episode. We, we do get political shortly after, when a sort of campaign manager comes in to the bar to talk to the owner of the bar. Phil Schumacher is the campaign manager. In he comes. We've had a few conferences and announcements in shows before. Most notable one in The Boys in the Bar for Catcher's Mask. But this time it's a political press conference, which the gang responds to in different ways because the congresswoman, I assume with a lot of politicians, has specific 
views and beliefs, and some of the patrons strongly disagree with them. Well, you say some of the patrons, uh, mostly Diane. Mostly Diane. The rest don't care. No, they don't. And in fact, there's a really good scene with Carla as well that we'll come on to later. Essentially, the the politician in question, they're looking to be re-elected, but they've kind of neglected the people since they've went into post. So now they're trying to campaign to be one of the people again, leading up to a re-election. So they're doing tours of bars and things. Yeah, which... uh, Diane sees straight through. She's a bit against it. Because Janet Eldridge, the congresswoman, is according to Diane old money. And from that, for lack of a better word, bourgeoisie is Diane's criticism of her. Uh, So it's interesting in how you see these different political viewpoints from the characters, which has been alluded to in the past because of things like class divide and social background, but it hasn't been the forefront of a plot before. I think what is quite good is when Janet comes into the bar, she starts canvassing sort of everyone in the bar and uh, talks to Carla, and Carla has a really good response. I could use your support in the upcoming election. Yeah, right. You got fame, money, power, and looks. What you need, I ain't got. I need your vote. I need a man, but you don't see me going around bars begging for one. (laughs) I give. I know when I'm overmatched. I'm just glad I'm not running against you. Which is kind of a way to just say in the good books of the people diffuse a situation. She's very smooth talker, is Janet. Mm, But it shows Carla's sort of no-nonsense to it as well. Yes. Exactly. Before we get into this uh, press conference, James, why don't you run through the characters who are in the bar this week? Okay, well, the main player and the antagonist to Diane in this episode is Kate Mulgrew as Janet Eldridge. She also appeared in Dallas, Mrs. Columbo, in which she played Mrs. Columbo, the wife of the Columbo, St. Elsewhere, Heartbeat, Murder, She Wrote, Batman the Animated Series, Mercy, Warehouse 13, and Mrs. Mercedes, but is perhaps best known recently for her roles as Captain Catherine Janeway in Star Trek Voyager and Red in Orange is the New Black. We also had an appearance from Max Wright as Jim Fleeder, who is Janet's political rival and looking to take her seat in Congress. He has also appeared in All That Jazz, Heart to Heart, Taxi, Aftermash, Alf, Murder, She Wrote, Who's the Boss, Quantum Leap, Murphy Brown, The Stand, Friends, Mad About You, The Drew Carey Show, Norm, and many others. That's quite a repertoire. It is. We also have David Paymer as Phil Schumacher. He also appeared in Season 3, Episode 15 of Cheers, King of the Hill. We have Brad Burlingham as Brian. He also appeared in The Twilight Zone, L.A. Law, and Freddy's Nightmares. We have Carolyn Ann Clark as April. She previously appeared in Season 4, Episode 8 of Cheers, Love Thy Neighbor. We have Mike Haggerty as Decker. He also appeared in Brewster's Millions, Married with Children, Family Tires, Wayne's World, The Wonder Years, Star Trek The Next Generation, Seinfeld, The Drew Carey Show, Animobile, The Michael Richards Show, Kirby Enthusiasm, Friends, ER, Deadwood, Desperate Housewives, Boston Legal, CSI, Glee, Community, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and many others. We also, of course, had some reporters in this press conference. Charles Walker as reporter number one. He also appeared in General Hospital, The Bionic Woman, The Jeffersons, Any Which Way You Can, Hill Street Blues, Dallas Knight Rider, The Eighteen Splash, Dynasty Family Ties, Fame, The Fall Guy, Moonlighting, Trapper John MD, LA Law, Murder, She Wrote, Who's the Boss, Quantum Leap, Say Anything, Hunter, Colombo, Liar, Liar, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Everybody Hates Chris, Community, and many others. Lawrence Lott as reporter number two. He also appeared in Nuts Landing, Fame, and Married with Children, among others. And of course, we have some bar regulars. Tim Cunningham as Tim, Paul Wilson as Paul, and Kelsey Grammer as Dr. Fraser Crane. 
Of course, your favourite character also appears, but is uncredited. We have Al Rosen as Al. I wish uh, Al asked some questions in the conference. That would have been good. Who's the biggest bigwig? And coming on to the question in the conference, there's some quite good ones, but I suppose the biggest and most sort of controversial one, Diane poses a question. Strangely, a politically charged question, which I think is a bit different to some of the other ones. Diane with the uh, bringing politics into a political press conference. What are you like? <laughs> it is on this vein of um, since you're in your last term, you haven't really served the people. You think that this stop at the bar is going to make a difference kind of thing. And Janet has a very smooth reply. I represent every one of the people in my district. If I don't get out and talk with them as often as I'd like, it's because I'm in my office or at council meetings or in conference with civic and business leaders 16 hours a day. I've never missed a vote in my four years on the council. And if I'm elected again, I intend to work even harder for the people I am privileged to represent. It impresses quite a few people in the bar. A lot of people get the, the wool pulled over their eyes. That's a saying, isn't it? I, I can imagine it. It's when you go, you see, and let's grab some wool, and now you don't. I imagine <laughs> that's, that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Sam gets a bit, what would you call it? Infatuated? It's an interesting development with Sam because near the start of the episode, they're like, hey, Sam, look at that politician. She's attractive, is she not? They didn't phrase it in that way. Perhaps Frasier did, but the others the others didn't. And Sam was like, no, no, no. Did Cliff say something about he'd let her eat crackers in her bed? Yeah. Classic Cliff. But, you know, he does get a bit uh, interested. He sees how much of a smooth talker she is. Cliff and Norma going, Sammy, hey, go on. Do you like Chinese food? And if so, have you ever eaten it in the bathtub? She kind of uses it because he asks this as part of the, the conference. And uh, she declines his offer and quite smoothly says, the things I give up for this town kind of thing. She's a very good public speaker. I'll give her that. And then she has to go off to go to her limo. And she goes, all right, thank you, everyone. But uh, Phil slides Sam her number, right? And goes, oh, Janet wanted you mm -hmm. to call. It's interesting because near the start of the episode, Sam and Diane enter Cheers at almost exactly the same time, both with their respective dates. And they're almost trying to outshow each other. They're trying to giving public displays of affection to their respective date, but trying to outdo the other person. So yeah, it's interesting to see that development. And of course, their dates go off and they don't really want to see them again. So it was interesting to see how this developed in Sam trying to secure a date with Janet. And Janet being the clever one she is, for she is clever and well-spoken, she starts dating Sam and Diane looks at this as purely a PR stunt. Hmm. In sort of retaliation to all of this, these developments, and, and a time jump does happen, I think a, a month or so. And in this month, Diane has started campaigning for Janet's rival, who is Jim Fleener. Whim for Jim as a campaign slogan. And Frazier is also campaigning with her. He's campaigning not because he supports Jim or his politics, but because he wants to be close to Diane or he has some duplicitous scheme on mind to destroy Diane. Either way, it's not to do with Jim, but Diane. I suppose that there's, there's two ways that Diane is trying to confront Janet. One, in the sort of political way of, of support for Jim and the canvassing she's going to do for Jim. And the other way is that she doesn't trust her in the sense of her relationship with Sam. And she thinks it is a PR move and is going to confront her quite directly about that. 
I tell you what though, James, this episode is jam-packed and we also have a, a, another small plot. We do hear a little bit about Norm in this episode as well and he took Vera out on a date. They went for some food, he wined and dined her and then we find out that he's actually just took her for free samples at a supermarket. Free samples of wine isn't a bad thing. I don't think it was wine, I think it was like little cocktail sausages. Norm wearing various disguises. <laughs> On top of this, uh, we also hear Cliff and Norm have a good conversation where Norm ends up finishing a lot of the conversation that Cliff starts. So Cliff goes on as one of his usual rambles about something or other. Uh, and we discovered that Cliff and Norm have essentially talked about everything. And Norm's heard all of his stories. Like a married couple, aren't they? Yeah. And it's Norm probably sees Cliff more than he does Vera, to be fair. But I think that was quite a nice exchange, especially in this, at the end of this season, to see that because it's been quite a lot of episodes now. Cliff does seem to repeat himself quite a lot. Yeah, particularly with his vegetable fascination. Yeah, and in this episode, he's he's very much staying true to his postal service roots. He's got some facts about postal service. He asks a postal related question to Janet whether they'll look at putting dogs who attack postal workers behind bars or something. And again, Janet's response is very smooth. He says that you've got this postal workers vote, I'll be delivering the postal vote kind of thing. We mentioned earlier that Diane's intending to confront Janet quite directly about what she sees as a PR stunt. But she talks to Carla first, Diane does. And I think it was quite a good moment where Diane kind of says, we both love Sam, essentially, I think Diane says. We should both be concerned about this kind of thing. We've said this before, that Carla is secretly in love with Sam. I don't think Carla would care so much if he wasn't considering anything serious with Janet but the fact that it could be serious, Carla doesn't like because Carla has always in her head thought that she and Sam couldn't be together because Sam wouldn't want a serious relationship. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of given herself that solace, even if it's untrue. But the fact that Sam could want to pursue something serious with someone who isn't Carla breaks her heart a little bit. She does a little bit of a test to see how serious Sam is. Maybe going to all these high-toned parties, meeting a lot of fancy people, driving around in big cars. And the best thing is, you are getting to do to a politician what they've been doing to us for years. <laughs> Sam's like, that's a lousy sense of humour kind of thing. He's not wrong. But what, what does happen is that Carla kind of realises that Sam is quite serious. Carla doesn't do much after that, to be honest. It's evident Carla doesn't like Janet because of the things she expressed in the past to do with her jealousy of Janet's success uh, and looks and etc. But she just kind of stays out of the way. Carla doesn't interact with it as an issue too much, maybe because she doesn't want to think about it. And she just, as I say, stays out of the way of that story and really out of Sam's way. She doesn't interact with Sam much at all in this episode. Well, does her own thing, really. Yeah, exactly. But Janet comes in to the office and uh, goes to make a few phone calls. And this is where Diane confronts Janet directly. Says to Janet, we know that what you're doing is just as a PR stunt. We'd see through your little ruse, Janet. Damn it, Janet. <laughs> is what is what Jim's slogan should have been. Surprisingly, Janet confesses. Well, when I first started seeing Sam, perhaps I had ulterior motives in mind. But my attitude toward him has changed dramatically. I've learned that Sam has something that's pretty special. I've never experienced with any other man the feeling I have when I'm with him. When we're at a fundraiser or something like that, I'll watch him across the room talking with some people and... Sometimes a feeling comes over me so strong 
that it nearly makes me ache. Well, damn, Janet. You're politician. You're not just supposed to tell the truth all the time, you know. But it, it was quite interesting what the response was in that she was so open. And she, Janet let herself be vulnerable in that moment. In public, she, mm. you know, is this, she's putting on this face of a public speaker and, you know, very political, calculating almost. But seeing this vulnerability to her, it was, to me, clear that she was such a well-rounded character and a very good choice for a rival to Diane because mm. she was as smart as Diane, as witty, but also had this vulnerability to her and she's a real contender for Sam's affection. Mm. So it will make this trilogy quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that's one of the, the biggest things in this is that she is quite a rival to Diane in a lot of ways. I think one of the, the things which is kind of, it's again that class divide and something that we see in this episode already is Sam's starting to become a bit more... He's regaining his fame to a bit, isn't he? Well, it's not even that. He's morphing into more of a PR kind of person where he's very conscious about what... I think in this episode he's, he's wearing a tux. Yeah, and a tie. and He's wearing a tie. He's talking about sorbet. In previous episodes, he's very much... He doesn't try and hide when he doesn't know things. In fact, he, he jokes about it quite a bit. At least with Diane, he would always joke about whether they went to see art. He would say how he felt about the art. In this episode, he's very much trying to pretend to be a bit more classier than he is, maybe. Yes, yes, I can definitely see that. But there also seems to be an effort in there where, as you said, what you've alluded to, there were times in the past where he was pretending to know things like when he had to know war and peace and he was visually struggling but in this it looks as though it's something he actually wants to do not just because he feels obliged to do as opposed to diane who would often criticize and mock sam if he didn't know things janet is educating him in a way which isn't condescending so yeah it's fascinating and i thought kate mulgood put in a fantastic performance mm. it was a difficult character to pull off because Depending on how people felt about Diane, they may hate her for coming in and being someone to threaten Diane's chances with Sam. Mm. But I felt at times she was, or could be, an anti-hero, this Janet. And I suppose we, we talk about the rivalry between the two of them. It's not just them, it's Janet and Wim for Jim. And we do see actually a conclusion to that political battle at the end of this episode. And we see uh, that Janet does in fact win the vote. And by her side is Sam Malone. And the two men she thanks are Phil and Sam. You know, Diane's been planting thoughts in Sam's mind, which may be correct, in that Janet is using Sam just for re-election. And when she wins, she'll dismiss him. And when Janet makes this thank you speech, she goes, this man's been at my side and I couldn't have done it without him. Phil! And you're going, yeah, that does make <laughs> sense, actually. <laughs> He's your campaign manager. Fair enough. And she goes like, and also... You guys know Sam. And she kisses him live on stage. Whoa. Meanwhile, in Jim's office, Fraser's drank all the liquor. <laughs> He's just having a good time. He's just drank everything. He's quite angry and he goes, by the way, Jim, you're out of liquor. And just <laughs> walks off. <laughs> but there's a great ending line, which was Jim looking at the TV and going, that was my last chance. Looks like I blew it. And as Sam and Janet kiss, Diane wistfully says, me too. Oh, what a poignant ending. I'm looking forward to the next two episodes because I think it's going to be good. That's the trivia bar, James. And that means one thing. It means we've got some lovely trivia delivered that we can ask each other. 
We mentioned that Norm took Vera on a, a lovely date. Where did they dine? Costco? It was Hurley's Market. Of course it's Hurley's Market. Cliff states two rumours of the sexual prowess of postmen. What are they? That they're more popular than rock stars and that they always deliver. Pretty close, yeah. They are the most desired lovers behind rock stars and heart surgeons and they deliver daily. Smooth. But Norm's heard it all before. I don't know why Norm's heard it all before. All he does is chat up Norm by the sounds of it. We talked a little bit about Hurley's Market. What was on the menu that they kept going back for? We find out what the cutoff of uh, how many of these items you can have before you might get kicked out. Cocktail sausages and a dozen. Yeah. Then I like to think, you know, after he had his dozen, they sort of lifted him up by the collar and his shirt and like threw him out the door. I think a dozen cocktail (laughs) sausages is a good house special. I think so as well. But there are some other contenders that we'll get onto in a bit. I said there were some other options for the house special, and they're linked to some of Sam's dining faux pas. So any of you could remember what some of them are. Bathtub full of Chinese food? No, it wasn't. Ah, it's a lemon dip. Yeah, well, that's what he thought it was. There's chocolate sauce on sorbet, and whether that was uh, allowed. And also, in the past, he thought a wash water bath for your hands in a mid-meal was a lemon soup. And this comes on to what you said about how Diane used to make him feel a bit inadequate. He said, uh, no one would have noticed if you didn't scream when I did it. Yeah, exactly. And it reminds me of when he ate the candle by accident. (laughs) What aspects of Sam make Diane think he is a vote-getter? Because he's an ex- Sports player? And he's sort of a man of the people? Common? Sportsman is one of them. He's also attractive and Irish, which in Boston is uh, ticks boxes. Some good qualities there. You're at least two of these, are you not, John? I think I think maybe half and all of them. <laughs> it's a pass, is it not? 50%? <laughs> That's the last call at the bar, James. We've mentioned a couple of options for the, the house special this week, but which one are you feeling? I think a dozen cocktail sausages, just because it's a challenge, isn't it? See if you can. Take a dozen. I think I probably could. So as we take our free samples, we're going to have to toast something. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do a political toast. I mean, maybe in condolences to win for the gym, you know? Toast the writers of this episode. I think they did a very interesting thing with pitting the romantic rivalry with the political rivalry. That was mm. an interesting parallel to Jim. He lost, but, you know, we, he had a good run. The trouble was he wasn't dating Sam, but that's what gets you votes. <laughs> the trouble was he wasn't half Irish or a sportsman. Uh, what he needed was uh, Phil Schumacher. Yes, good campaign manager was Phil Schumacher. Yeah, he's the most valuable player in this episode, I think. So yeah, he gets the ball rolling, he comes into the bar. Can we set this up? Can we get this happening? Takes it to the victory. A lot of the time, the sort of campaign manager almost running the show, you know? Yeah, understated, aren't they, campaign managers? Mm. Did a good job, did Phil. Whenever you watch like a, a political drama, it's always the like secretary or campaign manager or PA who's always really running the show, you know? This is the Phil. Raise your dozen free cocktail sausages in honour of your campaign managers. <laughs> On that note, uh, cheers, James.